This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Well, we are back for another episode of Five on Three. And before we get too far into things, you're not going to hear her voice today, but we do have a debut on our hands because Five on Three is one of the most fun, most progressive podcasts at this lovely radio station. Isabella Terracini is taking over things behind the board. Her debut production, like I said, you, you know, won't hear any words out of her, but she's behind all the sounds you hear today, so we're very happy to have her on. We're excited for her to get her first little assignment. Welcome back to 5 on 3. I'm here with Nick Palmer, Andrew Canary. I'm Jack Warner. This is actually my A-host debut on 5 on 3. This is And, and I was an emergency fill-in for Mr. Lou Orlando. So th- there's just all sorts of fun stuff going around. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, I've been on the show plenty, but it's just I haven't, I, I've never actually A-hosted. Big day for firsts, I guess. Yeah, I know, right? It's a couple pair of firsts. Can't complain with that. But, gentlemen, how are we doing? Dude, I am doing awesome. Are uh, you really, though? I Okay, I am doing awesome because, <laughs> hold on, Chris Stapleton's releasing a new album for the first time in three years. So yes, that has sir. me jazzed. But on the hockey side of things. I'm just a traveler. Yeah. Anyway, after that just happened, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the hockey in New York is... Yeah, at an interesting spot right now. We have a team doing very well. We have a team that is not doing very well. And we have a team that I'm like a little confused about. They're, so They are right in between. So isn't there so much to talk about? And I that's mean, why I'm excited. How are you, a, Andrew? Yeah, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I mean, it, we definitely got some interesting storylines to kind of dig in here with uh, some New York NHL teams. It should be very, very fun. And I just got done producing... Um, your uh, Nick Palmer's uh, Islander feature report. Oh, look out for that when that comes out later today. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll have some discourse about that once we get to the Islander segment because I do have a, I do have a, a question or two. We got to settle some stuff that we talked about off air. I think behind <laughs> the microphones. I think that's the only the fair way to go about it. But let's let's hop right into things. And Nick, I think you hit the nail right on the head in saying that the New Jersey Devils are probably the weirdest of the three teams in the tri-state right now because no one can really make their minds up on them. Um, you know, obviously, Jack Hughes starts off the season on an unbelievable note, hits 20 points quicker in you know in the blink of an eye, goes down with an injury, and has kind of thrown a wrench into everything. Not to mention, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I blanked. Nico Hischier also. Nico Hischier, that's right. See, you know what? The, the the stage fright is getting to me, man. This is Ahos is Ahos is a is a is a big position. Thank you very much, Canary. Nico Hischier and Jack Hughes, two injuries that kind of threw a wrench into things for the Devils. But at the end of this past week, I think is where people are having their most questions about the security of the team right now because they just split a road trip even two and two. They now they improved to seven four and one overall. November second, they beat Minnesota five to three. They beat, I mean, they lose to St. Louis four to one the very next day. Then on Sunday, they have a nice four two win on the road against the Blackhawks. And then on Tuesday, a six to three beatdown by the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I want to just kind of survey the room here and get your guys' opinions on what, like, have you been able to make up your minds on this team yet? I have. 
not. And that is specifically because this team's defense is so bad. It's atrocious. Um, in contrast, the reason that they are third in the Metropolitan Division is because they have the best offense in the league. They have the best power play in the in the NHL. They score on 41.7% of opportunities. Which is crazy. Uh, their penalty kill is, is it's pretty good, honestly. I mean... You know, they're, they're okay. They stop their opponents 76.7% of the time. For a team that's not great on defense, that is fine. However, this team cannot play defense, and I'm really worried because they allow the 29th most goals per game on average in the NHL. Their opponents average a 3.67 goals per contest, and you're now missing the people who score you the goals that make sure you don't lose those games. Jack Hughes is gone for weeks. Nico Heischer's out for days. So now you're bringing in Tomas Nosek, who is honestly, I think, a breath of fresh air for this team simply because he is a veteran who plays the game defensively. Having a forward who is good defensively will help this team so much, but is missing the offense going to be the issue? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and I think that addition is great as this team kind of shifts more to a defensively conscientious team I don't know if I want to say sound team because I think that they have a lot of issues um but yeah I think that they just need to focus a lot more on the defense and off the back of that I feel like we've seen um at least throughout the season Vanacek and Schmidt haven't been as dominant as they were last season and that's putting more pressure on this defense um to really save um those moments that you know in the past Vanacek or Schmidt would really you know clean up and keep them in this game so off the back of that I think that it's just putting more pressure on the defense overall and with Hughes and Heischer out um Jesper Bratt still doing his thing but despite that though it's just putting them in a really bad spot can I can I rain on your parade real quick I knew Akira Schmidt wouldn't be good this year I freaking knew it so you knew Everyone, that Schmidt would be mid you're I knew that Schmidt would be mid he's worse than mid if you have an under 900 save percentage you are worse than mid and guess what both of your goalies have an under 900 save percentage. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate. I, I'm not going to say that we're seeing the level of play out of Vanacek so far. Uh, Schmid, I completely agree with you. Not impressive. Um, I don't think that we're seeing the caliber of play out of Vanacek that, we're, that we should be seeing or are used to seeing. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think he suffers from a similar misfortune as your boy Ilya over in Long Island in the sense that I don't see how much help Vitek Vanacek is getting on a regular basis. I had to, I had to cover one Devils game this year as a fill-in um, on a night where both of our Devils reporters were preoccupied, and I happened to get a game against the Buffalo Sabers, where they would end up winning five to four. It was one of the craziest, most back-and-forth games that I've ever seen, and there were four. There were four goals scored by Buffalo, and I want to say that they actually like truly beat Vanacek on one of them. Everything else was very point blank. Either you know somebody went unnoticed and untouched and had a very point blank response goal, whether it was off a rebound or they were they like I said completely left out to dry, uncovered. It seems like Vanacek has somewhat had to compensate for the fact that he's not getting that much help so far. And honestly, the other thing is Vanacek, as much as, like I said, we're not really receiving the caliber of play that I think we... I will say that right now, even though I'm defending him. He's not playing the type of hockey that he's prone to play. 
but he's also keeping them in games. He's a gritty goalie. It, it's it's one thing when you have a team that scores a lot of goals, like the Devils do, but when you have a defense that has been to this point as awful as the Devils have and allow as many odd man rushes as the Devils do, I think it's it's you know part of the underwhelming performance of the goalie tandem in Jersey, yes, can be credited to them because they have to stop the shots at the end of the day. But some of it is, I don't think it's all credited to them. I, I, I would agree with that. I was a little too harsh on That's why I didn't name Vanacek by name when I, I named Schmidt. Schmidt is mid. Schmidt has not been excellent. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think Vanacek will get back up there in the 900s. I don't really have a worry about that. Schmidt, I'm not so sure. Um, from what I've seen from him, it's a lack of rebound control. Mm. And uh, there's been a couple times where I was like, dang, he uh, he was way too aggressive on that shot, and that caused him to get beat. So, yeah, I, you're right. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the defense. But you need a goaltender. Uh, on a team like this, you need a goaltender who will make the big saves and who can pick you up. Because if you don't, then you're... You're done. Well, that's the thing is you need a goalie that can that can clean up the mess. And yes. again, you know, I think with Schmied, you you don't have the same security that you do with Vanacek, and even that's a bit of an issue where it's like there's other goalie tandems throughout the league that we've seen to this point. I understand that you know Olmark and Swayman is a high precedent to set, but I would even argue that a Sorokin Varlamov oh. is a lot more of a it, it, it's it's got a lot more security and that you can throw either goalie out there any given night and know that you're going to be kept in a yeah. game. I don't think that that can be said for New Jersey yet. And just for the fact that they're both over 900 right now, too. I mean, um, I believe Sorokin's at a 907, Varlamov at a 950. So, I mean, just, yeah, I think that maybe we're going a little bit too hard on the Devils goaltending here, but I think overall when in those situations they do have to keep the game competitive and just their inability so far, um, yeah, it's just been costing them. I think as as confusing as things have been surrounding the Devils this year, I also, like, we've all made our stance very clear that defensively it's been hard to watch, and it's, it's true. Um, but I am still of the belief that, of two things, one, that it's still a bit too early, and... At a certain point, give it another month, you know, maybe not even a month, give it another two or three weeks. You may, it may be too late to make that excuse, so maybe they are running out of time on that front. Um, but I also think people are, are, are being a little harsh on the the team as a whole, mm-hmm. as in I, I do think that the problem is primarily defensive. The fact that they, I mean, th- there have been few teams that have had the offensive production that the Devils have had this year. You cannot keep them from scoring. Um a lot of people also like to point out that like without Jack Hughes and without Nico Heischer, there's kind of a lack of scoring, you know? Like that 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 can that can tend to happen, but that should be a bit of an expectation when when you lose a, a 99 point scorer, a, a former a, coming off a 99 point season, another player coming off an 80 point season within the course of a week. So when you take two kind of big losses that luckily are temporarily and you meant you point out that throughout the course of this week, there's been other players that have stepped up. Tyler Toffoli, three goals in his last two games. That's a big deal. Timo Meyer and Dougie Hamilton both scoring against the Avalanche. Now they did get the doors blown off them. But you're seeing 
the power play remain about as efficient as it did when Hughes and and Heisher were both healthy. So it, I don't know. I'm not going to say that there's nothing to worry about in New Jersey, but I also at the same time don't yet believe that this is a team that's in trouble or is by any means a bad hockey team. No, this team is not defunct missing uh, Hughes and Heisher because, first of all, I. Not a lot of people like are paying attention to this. Tyler Trafoli leads the Devils in goals right. with eight, and his thirteen points are uh, third on the team. And second is Jesper Bratt, who's also not hurt. He comes in second in all scoring categories at seven goals, twelve assists, nineteen points. Right. I I'm sorry, but this these two injuries take this team from the best offensive team in the league to one of the best offensive teams right. in the league. Yeah. So you know what if. This, this is why these next couple games are so big for Schmid and Vanacek. If they can save a couple games for them, if they can put this team on their backs for just a couple of games, that could come a long way coming down the stretch. Yeah, no, and I think that definitely proves that they're a competitive team heading into the bulk of this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you highlighted guys like Jesper Brad and Tofuli. I also want to highlight Luke Hughes, who has been amazing on Power Play 1 so far. Um, but I will say, though, I mean – I don't want to hit the panic button just yet, but we're getting to the point also to um, where fans have a lot of expectations of this team considering last season their great run in the postseason obviously didn't end the way that they wanted it to. But still, I think that they expect them to pick up where they left off, and right now it's uh, a little disappointing, but I don't think they're out. There's a lot of complaining for a team in a playoff spot. Well, no, yeah. yeah it, no, yeah, no, yeah. That's, that, that's the thing, and, that, and that's part of why I'm saying that. Like, I think it's also a testament to how good – a team really is when I would call this average play. I wouldn't even call this bad play. I would call, again. I mean, quite literally by definition, average play. They went two and two over the course of this past week. That's that's average play. Um, it's it is a testament to how good a team is and how good they are expected to be when you know um, a skid like this, where they're still putting up a lot of offensive production and still you know not losing more games than they're winning it, 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 it you would have thought if you go I understand Twitter is always the the polarizing opinions of things it's like oh I I go to Islanders Twitter and it's a war zone I go to Rangers Twitter and they think their life sucks I, well not right now but in past years they have um but you would you go to Twitter and you think that World War three is breaking out because the, this team has a higher precedent that they set because they 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 know the kind of squad that's that they have and and how they started off the season again they started off very strongly so um for them to be humanized a little bit for a week and humanized may even be putting it strongly I think it opens some eyes but I don't think that we should take this for for more than it's worth and the other thing you brought up a good point that you think this is a really big opportunity for Vanacek and, and Shmi to steal a couple games I also think that this is a huge opportunity for Van Vanacek and Schmid coming up because I don't think that either of them to this point yet have proven enough to rid the devils of a possibility of perhaps peaking for another goalie in March when the trade deadline comes around. So if they want to kind of shoo away that possibility, then they're going to need to step up. I completely agree. So they could be looking at like something like a Connor Hellebuck or something. Right to go into the future so tonight the devils will play their final game of this week they return home to the rock to play the washington capitals who 
very convenient that that's the matchup after the conversation we just had because they played the Capitals a little over two weeks ago, and it was one of the most up-and-down games I have ever seen. The Devils did not win. Spoiler, they did not win. They lost 6-4. to four. So the Capitals. if that, yeah. The 2023-2024 to, to the 2023 Capitals. Capitals. Um, so if that is not indicative of everything that we just talked about for the past however many minutes, I don't know what is. And that just makes tonight's game all the more important to get a little revenge game and, and, and prove that, that that first matchup on home ice as well a few weeks ago was just a fluke. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, personally, I think that they will come out and just prove that it's a fluke, but we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully it's a big game for the goaltending here, and hopefully they can kind of put some of the uh, bad comments that we've been saying <laughs> throughout this pod kind of behind them. But, yeah, we'll see. We are now going to cross the Hudson. Mm. And I mean we are going to cross the Hudson and head over to 4 Pennsylvania Plaza to check in with the New York Rangers. Oh, that's where they play? The Madison Square Garden is at 4 Never Pennsylvania. Never <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm like I'm such a jerk today. I just go ahead. You're the I'm I thought rooting. you actually didn't. No, 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 no. No, I'm rooting I, no, 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 no. I knew that you the the MSG thing was a joke. I thought you actually didn't know the address of Madison Square Garden. No, I live in New York too, man. I, I I know. That's why I was saying. Oh, that. Oh, like okay. I was. You made me scared there. Let's for a second. talk about the Rangers. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Talk about a transition. Um, well, I'll tell you that transition sucked. But you know what doesn't suck? The New York Rangers, wow. who have who have won eight out of their last nine games. They're posing posting a two. A t- so I'm, you have me all disoriented. <laughs> I hate you so much. You almost Post- saved the segue. Right. Posting a 10-2-1 record, and they are first place atop the Metropolitan Division for now. I do think that this will become much more of a bloodbath the further we get in the season. Um, I, the look of pain in your eyes as you just talk about two they're Metropolitan right. teams that are better than Rangers. Rangers are all right. But they're they're okay. Well, last night, the Rangers beat the Minnesota Wild by a score of 4-1. to one. And we have multiple things to kind of break down at the moment because, you know, it's been a crazy last week or two for the Rangers when you consider changes to the depth chart, changes to approach that had to be made when Adam Fox goes down for a somewhat extended amount of time. There's been rumors that he could be back, you know, near December in the December time frame. You had Philip Heedle going down temporarily in the same game. It was a pretty, uh, you know gritty game against the Carolina Hurricanes where they lost a few. But you even have uh, injury issues at the goalie position. You have Igor Shesterkin who goes down for a little bit, which brings Jonathan Quick up. Old Jonathan Quick, who's him and his 57-year-old self, gets back on the ice and puts up a decent fight for the New York Rangers. He's honestly had a pretty good start to his season, except for one kind of rough game in Minnesota last week. Oh, that game wasn't his fault. Which was not his – yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean – I watched that game. No, that's right because you were – I was at your house. up in my living room for that game, actually. Yeah. But it didn't stop there because after that game, Jonathan Quick was day-to-day. Right. I'm sorry, after the Red Wings game. That's my bad. I'm, I'm, a, bad, I'm a bad reporter. I, I, I think for job. arthritis or something. No, I'm just kidding. That's a dude. You're <laughs> wow. on one today. You're, That's a you're dig right there. <laughs> I love Jonathan Quick. Come on. Point being is the depth issues did not stop at skaters. 
The Rangers had to deploy a third-string goalie last night in Louis Domingue, who made his first NHL start in eight, nearly 18 months. You want to guess who his last NHL start was against in the playoffs and what building it was in? I'm not going to spoil it because I already know the answer. Nick, I, I actually – was it against the Rangers? It was against the Rangers as goaltender for the – Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, because Jari was garbage, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. And he yeah. shut the Rangers down. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I forgot the about Rangers that. The Rangers have this really weird fetish for getting goalies that once got the higher-ups on them in the past. That's true Jonathan with Quick. Quick. Yeah. Louis Domingue. But anyway, Louis Domingue gets called up from Hartford to fill in for the night. And he was an absolute star. He saves twenty five. Sh- he makes twenty five saves on twenty six shots. The Rangers win four to one. And honestly, this is a tough game to sort of encapsulate everything about how the Rangers have been playing, just because there's so many things that seem to be working for them right now. I think we can address one of the other elephants in the room. Artemi Panarin has now recorded a point in thirteen consecutive games, and. While everyone is very, very excited about this, and I am also excited about this because I find it absolutely amusing that we're seeing this level of play out of out of anyone. It's it's truly a special stretch to witness. One of the things that I think a lot of people it makes it's made some individuals more happy seeing Panarin play like this is simply that last season, you know, didn't really end too kindly for him with the playoffs right. going as poorly as they did. Um he had a good year last year. I don't think he necessarily underperformed in the regular season last year. In fact, I thought he played quite well. But I feel like for this season, people felt better about Panarin's point streak because they think it's like him proving something. I struggle with that because I feel like this is the player that we've known Artemi Panarin can be for the New York Rangers, and it's just kind of finally showing through under a coaching scheme that I think enables him to play a better brand of hockey and just a a Rangers team this year that is having more success than or at least early in the season this season than they did last year. I have a question for you as a Rangers beat reporter. Mm-hmm. Panarin's success. Right. And for that matter, Lafreniere's success. Mm-hmm. Is Lafreniere being successful because of how Panarin's playing, or do you think Laf is doing something this year that he wasn't doing last year? That now that they're working together, because Heedle's down, do you? Because th- they've been fantastic together. I think both. It's both. I think both in the sense that it's a very mutual exchange. I think they play together really well. In fact, they've over the course of the last week during media availability, both of them have said very complimentary things of the other about how well they mesh together. Um, so I think both of those things can be true at once where I think both of them make each other better. But I also think some of it has to do with Lafreniere because he's playing a better he's playing better hockey on his own, I think because of coaching. Mm. One of the most widespread criticisms of Gerard Gallant last year was how little he utilized some uh, certain players on the Rangers roster. And Lafreniere was a very big example. A lot of people, like, that's your first overall pick. And while I do agree that Lafreniere 
we I will say we haven't probably seen a level of play out of Loft to this point that we did before. I thought you were going to call him a bust. No, but I was going to say that other people were treating <laughs> I was going to say other people were treating him like a bust. I know everyone was calling and, him a bust. Right. And while I do agree that he should be held accountable in some regard as everyone should have some accountability for their play, I do think a big part of Lafreniere's I guess you could say, or some people's lack of satisfaction with Lafreniere's production had to do with him literally being coached out of being a good player. That's just me. Gotcha. I mean, I I was actually one of those Lafreniere haters. I I don't know if you remember uh, during our kind of one-on-one episode a couple weeks ago, Nick Palmer, um, when we were kind of previewing the season, I I thought that he was not going to have that great of a season, but he's really surprised me. Um, And I'm really impressed with how he's meshing with Panarin. Um, And, yeah, it's just, at least for me, it's been really surprising, the turnaround, I guess. If you go back on the tapes, I was the one who said Laugh was going to have a good year. Yeah, you were defending it. I was defending him. So, you know, I'm not going to say suck on that, but. Well, you just did. But suck on that. Yeah, you kind of just did. I am Galaxy Hockey Brain and know more about the Rangers than Jack (laughs) Warner. Wait, but when. when No, I don't. When did it. No, I, I said no, I don't. You know more about the Rangers than all of us combined here. I'm just playing with you. See how you crumbled? All I had to <laughs> do, do was make well, all I, all I had are... to do. All I had to do was make one puppy dog face, and you crumbled. All right. So the cameras aren't on, but just everyone know Jack Warner is emotionally manipulative. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, um, but no, I honestly, what I'm still trying to figure out is if this is the brand of play that we're getting from the Rangers right now with depth chart issues that. Are, yes, are temporary, but are kind of paralyzed. It could have been very paralyzing at the moment. Igor and Quick going down, plus one of the best defensemen in the entire National Hockey League in Adam Fox going down. Make, having to make adjustments to power play one, putting Gustafson on power play one to fill in for Adam Fox, having to you know move some of the line combinations around. You had Blake Wheeler playing on line one last night. He gets his first range, goal as a Ranger on the power play. Round of applause for him. You know, good job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, kind of a, honestly a slower start to the year than I think he would have wished for. And over the span of this last week, one of the things that they were talking about, in fact, Laviolette mentioned it in his presser last night, was that he has seen, at least in his opinion, he has seen Wheeler get progressively better from game to game, get more comfortable from game to game. And the move up to the first line honestly made me a bit nervous when it first was announced um, because, you know, uh, I remember Lou and I watching Ranger games and thinking, like, Wheeler, he looked like he was struggling to keep up um, with other skaters on that third line. And when you have a line like when a fir- you know, the kind of role that a first line plays to sort of set the precedent and – be a high production, high performing line, which by the way, I don't think the first line of the New York Rangers has done that abundantly much of this season so far. Um, you know, but either way, I felt like Wheeler on the first line when we were having conversations about him being visibly, you know, visibly struggling to keep up a little bit on the third line, you know, that first line move made us both a little bit nervous upon hearing about it. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I, I was a little too hot on Wheeler, I think, coming into this year. I sort of forget the fact that he's 37 years old. Right. Um, because, it I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was like 2019, 2020, when he was like on that Jets team with Line and Shifley. Right. And everyone was like, dang, those three are dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
I think everyone sort of grouped them together and didn't look at them individually. I think Wheeler was the weaker link of the three, and I think that's sort of we're starting to see that now to where, yeah, he's slowing down, but they, they got him for his hockey IQ. And I think he's honestly showing that off decently. I think mm-hmm. the production won't be where you saw it was four or five years ago with Blake Wheeler, but that's not that's not what you got him for. So honestly, Blake Wheeler, I, I'm I'm quite indifferent towards right now. Yeah, I would say I, I kind of agree with you there, Nick. I mean, I'm a little indifferent towards him, and I definitely have seen kind of just the physical incapabilities, and they have been a little, you know, not reassuring, to say the least. Um, but off the back of that, I feel like he is serving his purpose on this team. And at the end of the day, the team is winning games. And maybe I just kind of answered my own question, because you, mm. well, no, because you, you bring up the fact that he's 37 years old. And while I do think, yes, that is a big, you know, that that can point in the direction of, like, why he struggles, you know, he struggled to keep up a little bit. Because, again, it's, you know, you're not in your prime at age 37. You have a little bit of mileage on those skates. Um, I do think that when you look at how well the second line is producing with, with especially right now with Panarin and Trocek and Lafreniere, and you don't want to mess around with that line because that's one of the you know, best performing lines in the league right now. I guess you would rather move somebody if you have to fill a vacancy on the first line. You'd probably rather put someone up there with a little more experience. Yeah, I I, I would think so. I mean, look, Wheeler remains a fantastic passer. That is that is his game. Hundred percent. He's a fantastic passer, and for his size and his age. Yeah, he's not getting around as much as you would like. My issue with Wheeler is his defensive work Mm -hmm. because that has really fallen off in the last couple of years. He used to be totally two-way, and now he's only kind of one way where he's sort of just setting up in dangerous scoring areas and trying to finish. I just don't think that's really going to play. Yeah, no, definitely, and I think that is a worrying facet in his game that's you know kind of regressed a little bit but I mean I think a shift towards more of a facilitator role isn't something that we should be afraid of at all and I think he has been fairly successful in that role so far and I think that's just kind of a natural progression I guess over the course of his career as those physical capabilities kind of start to you know uh, dry up a little bit shift more towards the kind of savvy veteran type play style especially as a big man like uh, honestly I it's weird because this is totally like not the same thing, but at the same time, it kind of is. I view him as like a like a forward Zidane Chara, in a way that in, what no, sense? No, no, no. in the sense that as he ages, as he gets up there, as Zidane Chara was getting up there, he is on there as a body, as a big body that can deliver hits mm-hmm. and be physical, and as just like a like a a leadership and a hockey IQ presence on the ice. I mean it in that way. I actually like that comparison a lot, um, especially again because there there are some there are some players in. I mean, hockey is a unique sport in the sense that I feel like morale and leadership yep. is arguably more important in hockey than a lot of other sports. Yes, um, as well as having someone out there that can be an enforcer that can lay hits like a Zdeno Chara, like yep. you're mentioning. Um, but I also think for a team like the Rangers that are relatively young for the for the most part, um, I think if you look at all of the – four, if you it, really if you look at all the forwards, he's 
the most veteran presence that they have. And I think that that's an important thing to highlight just for what he brings to this New York Rangers squad. Right, because you don't have Patrick Kane yet. We'll see. Yet. Um. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, think, I think a lot of people would say yet. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you, before we wrap up on the Rangers, do you have any thoughts on, <laughs> on Patrick on Kane? Um, look, he was nursing an injury during the regular season last year, so I understand. I Well, first of all, I thought he had a lot of uh, – I won't say insults, but criticisms hurled his way about being lazy. Um, and while I don't think that, obviously, we got the highest production out of Patrick Kane that was possible, two things, one very related to this conversation, he's not in his prime anymore. Um, and second of all, that he was nursing an injury. I also think it's interesting for anyone who's you know, adamantly against bringing him back he was the only ranger in the 2023 post uh, in the post uh, in the 2023 playoffs with a pulse he was one of the best performing rangers in the playoffs and when literally the entire team a team that has been on the on the back half of that season was one of the most competitive teams in the national hockey league completely just let their foot off the gas and fell apart in a series against the devils I think part of the reason the Devils were a great team in their own right, but I also think that the Rangers in that series made the Devils look like such a better team than they really were. So you're saying make them a healthy scratch till the playoffs? No, I'm not no, saying. I'm just oh well, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting theory. Like, hey, we, we buy him for buy him for playoff Kane. It's an interesting. It's a move. stupid. It's a stupid theory, but yeah. it's an interesting theory, Nick mm. Palmer. But no, I think the most the most recent sample size that you have of Patrick Kane's play was him being one of the only people that showed up in the playoffs, and I think that that means something. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just on the basis of that, I mean, just the the prospect of a um, postseason or um, playoff acquisition is something that's uh, it's interesting. I don't know if um, you necessarily want to go down that route. Um, you but, look like you have something you want yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I, no, 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 I have nothing to say. Um, well, well, we both gave an opinion. Give an opinion. I, I, You're the okay. one that brought up okay. the question. Come All right, on. you you want to talk about Patrick? Hot Kane? take right Let's now. Let's talk Nick about Palmer. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane will never be an efficient goal scorer ever again in his career. He is done. He's defunct, and I think signing him is a huge mistake. There's my opinion. Wow. Sorry, that's coming from a salty LA Kings fan for about ten years, but I say he's done. So, all right, let, let, let me ask you a question, though. I understand that the nursing and injury thing is very important. Like, he came off an injury that took yeah. a while to recover from. But, like, the scouting – let's just say the very harsh scouting report that you just gave of him, right? Mm. <laughs> is that not the same role that we just applied? Like, does he not fit the same standards that we just applied to Wheeler? Oh, it totally does. I just hate Patrick Kane so much more. Oh, all right. Well, all you right, could have said that. You yeah. could have led with that. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, uh, all right. That's that's. Let's end this segment. On I'm I'm not note. making the show easy on Jack Warner. By no, it, and honestly, by it's end. building character. Like I I do yeah. really appreciate it as much as I want to just choke you from across the table think of how easy your next show is gonna be oh it's gonna be so much easier. that'd be the best when you you tell julia you don't want me on five on three no because you know why i know the perfect way to turn the tables and that is to walk out of four pennsylvania plaza because what's that the address of do you remember the empire state building yeah exactly (laughs) and then let's go uptown to grand central 
Let's go down into that airport of a train station that is the LIR, <laughs> and let's go out to UBS and talk about your team that is going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Well, I didn't say that. You said that. With that oh, said, so, oh, the so New York Islanders are only one of us can use sarcasm. Is that what you're saying? Oh, it was a joke. Well, I'm not joking. The New York Islanders are going <laughs> to win the Stanley Cup this year, and wow. you're a fool if you think otherwise. This team is so not that good, <laughs> but that's okay. They're gonna they're gonna turn it around. And you know what? Oliver Wallstrom's gonna have a career year, and 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 Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat are both gonna have a million goals, a million goals each, and they're all gonna do so good. And Sorokin will have um how many games left are in the year? Uh, uh seventy. So like right around seventy. Seventy. Ilya Sorokin will have seventy shutouts, and and they will win everything. And the and the pretzels and cookies and brownies on the press level will be fresh every game. They never are. Let's not let's, let's not let's hope not for lie. things. Let's not let's lie. not hope for things. Let's not happen. lie. All right, look, <laughs> we're gonna hop into the Islanders because I do think there's some things to unpack. But in order to I think properly do that and do it justice, yeah. I basically summoned Nick Palmer to take this segment over Ooh. to talk about his team and sort of give us the bigger picture mm. as to the who, what, when, where, why, and how the hell the Islanders are like the way they are right now. The floor right. is yours, Nicholas. All right, let's 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 quarterback this itch. Um, the New York Islanders. They started off the year very good. They're a hockey team. They're yeah, definitely a hockey team. <laughs> that's, I think that's a better place to start. The New York Islanders are a hockey team located in Elmont, uh, also the location of Belmont Park, the famous horse racing yeah. track, mm-hmm. um, in smack dab in the middle of Long Island. And it is wonderful, except they, for the walk that you have to do to get to the arena. They have a train station. And they have a train station. Nice I love train that train station. station. It's a very nice train station. Oh, it's so nice, except for when it's you like... Walk, do you walk every time, or do you ever hop on one of those little buses that takes Depends you? when I get there. Right. Um, if you're in a rush, you're better off walking if you if you don't... If, if the... The shuttle isn't like the schedule isn't up to your liking. If I'm less than two hours early, then I'm taking the bus. Mm. With that said, the New York Islanders started off very good. They were playing good hockey. It seemed like everything was meshing. And then the team forgot how to play in the third period. They mm-hmm. keep in mind this was the identity of this team for the last three years where they have made the playoffs, two conference final runs. They were a team that would lull you into a sense of comfort in the game, and then they would just make life hell for you in the third period. They would forecheck, they would be aggressive, and then they would score a goal probably off of one of your mistakes where they would just turn it around and they'd say, oh, oh, you, you, you made a mistake in our zone? Here, Matt Barzell, just go skate up the ice and, and go score. That's not what's going on right now. This team have, has the fourth worst goals scored per game in the NHL, in the la- uh in the season they're outscored 10 to 3 in the third period Jesus. and yeah ye- Jesus is right this team Shit. cannot pull it together in the third period so this starts this starts roughly about 4 games ago in that game against the hurricanes where i don't remember where i was when i was watching it I oh remember, i was on I jack Burns couch you know you got there after the nachos that was so upsetting i did i got there late and i missed all the nachos but i brought pugsleys and made one Lou orlando or one Eli Keeler very happy. Yeah, that's true. Um, Islanders beat reporter for four whole games. Eli Keeler? Yeah. Yeah, he did a great job, in the, didn't in the he? fall of 2022. Man, what a time to be an Islander. Yep. Um, yeah, I forgot 
where I was, but sorry, no, no. Uh, hey. Oh, it was that you were watching the Canes game at my apartment. I was oh, watching the Canes. I wasn't game supposed to say apartment. that. You were watching the Canes game at an undisclosed location that you think you remember. I will leak your address so fast. Um, this game was ugly because first of all, Maddie Bamonte wouldn't shut up, but that was that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part of it was that this team draws so many penalties for no reason, and it's not even like it's not even good penalties. It's not like oh, you know what, you got called for tripping because you were trying to make a desperation play to stop a goal. Mm. No, you know, this team gets called for high sticks and hooking more than any team in the league. I, I did this little bit um, on the feature report, but I, I just want to name some penalties in the last three games. Bolduc high-sticking late in the third period against Boston. Sezikis high-sticking in the third against Minnesota. Dobson high-sticking early in the third against Minnesota. Barzell high-sticking against Carolina where he is fined $5,000. And that doesn't even get into the four hooking calls that I didn't even mention. Jesus Christ. This team does not know how to keep the. They teach you this in... in, in oh my in, God, guys. Nick Palmer is standing peewee, up from his chair. Peewee <laughs> Stick. On the ice, <laughs> you don't wave it around like an idiot, okay? You don't, Matt. I'm talking to you, Matt Barzell. I know you're listening. You don't wave your stick around like an idiot, okay? And I know you're not an idiot, Matt Barzell. I I know you're not. You play hockey so well, but you got to keep your stick on the ice. And if Lane Lambert is not telling, is not. First of all, he should be skating this team. This team, when they get to practice, should not be using pucks. They should not have their sticks in their hands. They should be on the red line skating. Oh, so doing suicides. Yeah. Exactly. They should be skated, and then they should learn to keep their sticks on the ice. So that's my first gripe with the Islanders. Um, Something we can discuss, because I feel like this is turning into a monologue, is Anders Lee. I want to talk about Anders Lee with you guys. In 12 games, he has one goal and one assist. Okay. Okay. He's been shifted through the first three lines. He has not found a home. Um, while uh, Bo Horvat was out, he was tried out with the first line. Did not mesh well. They did not score a goal. He was tried on the second line with Nelson. Did not do anything. Third Paggio line is where he found himself for most of the games. Mm. Still has not been producing. Mm. He is 33 years old. He's not out of his prime, but yeah, he is. I um, mean, I, I, I like... Age and ability wise, no, but the play you've been seeing from him lately, yes. It's it right. It's um yeah, he has slowed down. No, you're not gonna get forty goals from him like you did in twenty seventeen. But where he succeeds is burying tip ins, crisp passing, and hockey IQ. You're not seeing any of that right now from Anders Lee. So what's if you're Lane Lambert, what's your solution to the Anders Lee problem? Because he is your captain. You cannot be benching him, but with the way he's been playing, where is he going to go? It's a tough question to answer because it is. It, well, because with some early injuries, again, Horvat having to sit down for a bit is not helpful to anyone's case. Having to shift things around, you already went into this season with Barzell having to learn how to play kind of more of a center role than playing out on the wings, doing you know certain things where you know. Other people had to fill into roles. It's all about, like, it, it's been line combination changes out the wazoo and adjustments even more out the wazoo for the Islanders up to this point. Yeah. The problem is when you have someone like Anders Lee who, like you said, at his best, and not even even at his above average 
produces valuable things for an offense. You're right. You can't bench a captain. But at the same time, the, the, the question that really can come to mind in a situation like this is how much trial and error can you really do and, and movement through lines can you really do before you're like, all right, I don't know what else to do with about this. I don't know. I mean, he looks like a more defunct captain than Boone Jenner on the Columbus Blue. Boone Jenner is having a fantastic year for the Blue Jackets. Boone Jenner, Boone Jenner had a Hattie against the Rangers. I forgot about on like the that. second game of the season or the third <laughs> game of the season. I called that too. I called what? that on five on three. I said Boone. No, I didn't call it. I said Boone Jenner is gonna. I said um, we were, we were previewing the. I think it was with you. Yeah. We were previewing the Rangers game. And I was like, so the Rangers are going to go and destroy Columbus. And then I go, watch me say that, and Boone Jenner is going to score four goals against the Rangers. <laughs> and then he went up and put three. Just had the Thank say. you for reminding me of that, Jack. Um, yes, Anders Lee is a big issue. Don't exactly know where you're going to put him. Hopefully you can just keep running him out there and maybe he fixes something. Uh, well, I have a question. I yeah. just want to take a step back. Yeah. Um. Did you see? I'm assuming you you watched the game last night. I did. Did you see Bull Duke stand there like an absolute statue on Charlie Coyle's goal? So that was my next point. Well, I'm aren't I a jackass? Oh, aren't you a Jack Warner ass? Well, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the bottom two defensive pairs while we're at it, and Sam Bull Duke. Specifically, mm-hmm. because you were statue so statue. Oh, I love that nickname. Yeah, that's like a Trumpian nickname right there. <laughs> statue Bolduc doesn't do anything. He just stands there. Doesn't move. If I if I played on that line, I'd I'd get dirty. I'd get down and dirty. Did, did you see Trump talk about Nestor Cortez? Dude, like, oh my, that fastball. Yeah. <laughs> that fastball. Dude does not watch ball anyway. He's an idiot. Sam Statue Bolduc, you expect too much from him. And I know that I expect not- him to not be a corpse in front of the net <laughs> when Charlie Coyle has a has a pass right into the slot. When he receives a pass at the slot, I expect too much of Bull Duke to not stand there like he's, a statue. He's such a pylon. Oh my god. Um, okay. All right. Let me hold on. Let me try and defend Sam Bull Duke real quick. Checks notes. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. This guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy is not playing well at all. Look, okay. Here's my defense as to why he's bad. I can't tell you why he's good. I'll tell you why why he's bad. He wasn't even supposed to be on this team to begin with. He wasn't. He was a Bridgeport call up at the end of the year. That, that is true. At the beginning of the year, um, he. Was, I actually remember his transaction while we were reporting the team. Exactly. He was not supposed to be on this team, and the entire um the entire preseason and early season was like, okay, who's gonna get the job? Sebastian Ajo. Or Sam Bolduc. It's very clearly Aho. Aho now finds himself on the first pair with Noah Dobson now that Adam Pellick is out with a hip injury. And yeah, dude, Sam Bolduc, he, he's been less than inspiring on the ice. Every time he is out there, I go, oh my gosh, Varlama versus Rogan's about to be hung out to dry. Um, yeah, man. So look, the issue with the defense. <sighs> Outside Aho and Dobson, and I do want to talk about Dobson after we're done destroying the Islanders like you would like to, because Dobson is actually He's doing been a high well. Duke, Romanov, and Polak have all looked weak. So I don't want to single out Bolduc because no, it's, I, I, it's been a lot of them. I, I completely agree. 
Polak was once the staple of the defense. Mm-hmm. He's at minus five. Yep. Bolduc is minus four. That you, That's not good. Right. And a lack of structure and losing men on the rush just is not helpful for our goaltenders who, as you mentioned, I think if we didn't have the goaltending that we had, you would see them both under 900 in the save percentage because their defense has been absolutely abysmal. So, yeah, it, this really relies on Polak and Romanov to pick it up because I don't think you can expect Bolduc to produce in any meaningful way. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, just, like, looking throughout the plus-minuses of a lot of these defensive mm. players, I mean, you mentioned Polak minus 5, Aho minus 2, and just keep going down here. Uh, it's not looking good. Uh, Romanov riding at a clean zero. So, it, it's an overused stat, though, I will say. It's an overused mm-hmm. and not indicative stat. There are I don't love putting stats too much here. weight into it, but I think it is kind of a nice litmus test, at least at like a ver- very surface level, level of how mm-hmm. a player's performing. It's, I, I like that you reinforce the idea to not put the focus on one defenseman. And the reason I say that is because it is a group effort of poor performance for most of the defensive lines on the New York Islanders, and it is most reflected in having not one, but two fantastic goalies. And I think this is the perfect way to cap off the uh, bashing session of the Islanders. I know you want to talk about Noah Dobson. We will talk about that in Mm -hmm. a second. But to finish off the... This, this sort of curb stomping of the New York Islanders. Um, you're seeing one of the best goalies possible, you know. No, you're right. You're right. In my book, the best goalie in the, in the National Hockey League. You're a Bruins fan. Yeah. He's better than Lena Solmark. Wait, can can you just like say that like as a full sentence no. into the mic? So yeah, no, just only like because only because you a- only because you asked for it. No, it's okay. We'll we'll edit it. Yeah, we'll edit. it. I mean, well, I mean, this year I'm more of a Jeremy Swayman guy to be honest with you. But that's a conversation. For I another, like him better that, too. That's a that's a conversation for another time. Um, my point being is you have a goalie that is nothing short of elite, right? Who is being practically wasted. Because he is being left out to dry on a nightly basis by his team. And no one understands that any better than my fantasy hockey team. (laughs) Oh, you have Sorokin. (laughs) Who chose Sorokin. (laughs) Round one, pick two. I had the second overall pick. I passed on so many forwards, Nick. I passed on so many. I passed on Pasternak, <laughs> McDavid. Actually, the, the the Oilers are trash, but that's besides the point. I passed on so many. Austin Matthews. I passed on all of them, Nick. I passed on all of them. I was mad at you, too. I was like, darn, I was going to take Sorokin. Because I was like, oh, him. I'm above the law. I'm, I'm a brainiac. I'm anti-forward. I'd rather I'd rather shock the world. Pick, pick the, I picked the goalie first. <laughs> And besides one shutout, I've been negative almost every night. <laughs> Did you think about the fact that maybe that's why he's not playing well? Because he knew that you... Oh, don't you dare. Don't purposely you... I talked to him after the game. Don't I you... I him. believe I like, you. I was, like, I was like, Ilya, how was the game? He was like, I stopped puck. 
And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, so like, so like, what, what's it like playing against like Kirill Kaprizov? He's like, I stopped puck. And then I was like, oh well, you know, you you, you oh you gave up four goals tonight. Uh, why'd you do it? And he was like, Jack Warner. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, there's not a lot you can do there. I can't put that in my beat report. <laughs> so if you're looking for answers, I got it right there. <laughs> Let's talk about Noah Dobson. Oh, my God. You Go ahead, dude. I need a second. All right. Noah Dobson is good at hockey, and I'm going to tell you why. He leads the team in points. He is a point-per-game player as a defenseman, which is so unheard of. And he has four goals and eight assists. And I talk to him all, after almost every game because he's one of the only players who's nice to me. And that's not true. That's not true. All of them are very nice. He is the one who's very, he's very friendly with me. Noah Dobson, really nice kid. He's tightened up his defensive play. That was sort of the thing that people were re- It, it was an on. overarching fear heading into the season. And wasn't Twitter just going ballistic on Dobson in the beginning of the year? They were like, oh, Dobson's a waste of space. Dobson is the worst player on the team. Well, After the- Josh Bailey left, he was the guy that they picked to rail on, and now he's shoving it all in their face. Right, and it, and it didn't help when that video of Lane Lambert stopping practice to, sh- to emphasize yeah. box outs. Um, th- that that didn't really help his case very much either. About that, but yeah. no, he entered he entered this season with a lot of criticisms, a lot to prove. I am honestly, I couldn't be any happier for him. Um, he has turned defense into offense as well, which I think is the mark. I think that that's indicative of any good player, any re- truly change the course of the game level player. And no, I think he's one of the few things so far to be like all around happy about as we're just over a dozen games into the season. Yeah, one of the few bright lights in the vast darkness that I would say is this Islanders team right now. Wow, you just took major... Vast darkness. We have a winning record, kid. <laughs> yeah, very true. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying. I Continue. I, essentially, that's my point. I, I Honestly, Noah Dobson, really impressive stuff, and I'm glad that he is you know, kind of turning around on the naysayers and actually putting in a pretty good season so far. Um, But, yeah, just uh, similarly to, I feel like, the Devils in a lot of ways, a lot of the defensive incapabilities of this team is putting a lot of the onus on the goalkeeping. Um, And the Islanders' goalkeeping has been more successful than the Devils up to this point. Um, I still just need to see more effort overall for the defense. That's the problem with this team, though, is that the Devils' identity is a high-goal-scoring team. The Islanders' identity is their defense. So as soon as you get into the realm of, oh, I don't know if the defense is doing their job, that's the Islanders' identity. They're not scoring goals, so they're relying on these 2-1, 3-2 wins that, that if, if first of all, they're missing Adam Pellick. Adam Pellick is a phenomenal 2021 All-Star, great defenseman. When you're missing him... And the defense is playing like yeah. this. And also, like, the seemingly lack of effort in the third period, too. It just seems like yeah. they allow a lot of games to slip through their fingers. Well, there's there's one thing that—one other thing I'd like to point out before we just we move off of the Islanders. It's a nice little ESPN stat. We won't call it an ESPN stat. It's a little more special than an ESPN stat. I don't want to discount it. Um, however, what? No. I'm curious. <laughs> um, Noah Dobson. Mm-hmm has climbed to second place on the Islanders' list for most goals scored by a defenseman before their 24th birthday. He trails only the none other than the great Dennis Potvin 
have you have you seen the stat like how much he trails by? It's a it's isn't it a lot? It's like sixty goals. It's crazy. Is it actually? It's I think Potvin had like ninety four and Dobson has like thirty one. That is so <laughs> funny. You're you're never gonna beat Potvin. You're just not you're no. just not gonna do it. He 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 played in Well no a time. no no, that's a ridiculous stat. Right. Like But it is by like sixty. So so like yeah, it's impressive, but also is it though? No, 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 no. I mean, that's what I'm saying is like that. Potvin is an insane stat. Like that will right. never get beat. That's never going to get beaten. Right. I, I, I love how the amount of people that I saw post that without the context of like the stat comparison. Oh, Potvin kicked his ass. Yes. No, no, no. Which I think is hilarious because yeah. like I like I'm telling you right now, like on record, I did not know that. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Because I saw it on Twitter. I saw multiple Islanders pages post it, and then I saw a lot of Islanders fans pop up in, like, my Twitter just on, like, a regular feed day. And multiple people posted that, like, once the once he scored the goal to put him in that position. I think it was two days ago, three days ago. Yeah. And not a single person mentioned that that was, like, the discrepancy between the two stats. Oh, it'll never be caught in franchise history. No, never. Like, ever. But either way, Noah Dobson... Have a start to your season, dude. Hope you can keep it up and be one spark that maybe at some point down the line, like maybe you're a, a small be be that be that small little puddle of lighter fluid that somebody accidentally throws a cigarette butt on, and boom, the Islanders become a good hockey team again. Love you, Dobby. Dobby's a good guy. Now, before we finish up here, mm. we're just gonna take a quick lap around the pond, talk about a couple things league wide. And the first thing that we need to discuss is God have mercy on the Edmonton Oilers. Now, all I've said, this this entire episode has been a reoccurring theme of teams that can't play defense, except for probably the Rangers. The Rangers was like the only like really all-around positive talk. Um why I can't I can't like what are you just are you like you're staring at me? You got to snapping the headphones off. I'm I'm listening. This is exciting to you're, me. You're distracting. Bro. This is exciting to me. You're, let's you're, let's talk about. What oh oh oh! Saw. You're like getting in position to. Oh I'm getting. Oh excited. you're getting in. Oh I see what you're doing. Okay. Well, last night, the old worst team in the NHL <laughs> became the second worst team in the NHL. They did because a couple nights ago the San Jose Sharks accomplished the incredible feat of getting their first win on game number 12 against the Philadelphia Flyers. But last night, who would have thought they'd ever win two in a row? I, I don't think you did. I don't think no. I did. You know who did? Lou Orlando on 5-on-3 last week when he said he was half correct. He said that the a, the Edmonton Oilers would be the Sharks' first win of the year. Mm. He missed it by a game, but he still got it right that the Sharks beat the Oilers. Last night, San Jose Sharks beat the Edmonton Oilers three to two. Nick, I'm gonna pass it to you. Like, are the Oilers the, the Oilers are poverty? This team is so bad, and it's so funny. Um, they have the worst team save percentage in the NHL, and have allowed the second most goals. And everyone on their defense is really, really bad, and it's really funny. Um, but besides that. Um, Connor McDavid was held pointless against the San Jose Sharks. Connor McDavid, if you're <laughs> listening, I want you to think about that and then go walk into the ocean and then walk back because 
I don't know why you would do that, but get a refresher because you need help. <laughs> um, the San Jose Sharks are so, so, so bad. I can't even name more than five players on their team. That's how <laughs> bad they are. Can you? Can you? No, you can't. Mm. We're no, doing it in our heads. Oh, I, uh... No way he is five. Eric Carlson's no longer a San Jose Shark. <laughs> I got I got it. I got it. I okay, know. okay, go ahead. Anthony <laughs> do Claire. There's oh, five. Got it. Got no. it. Got it. Oh my god. Yeah, no, Do is one of my favorite players yep. uh, of those five. Um yeah. Dude, Anthony Duclair is single handedly um saving this team. <laughs> and no, because um man. All right. So 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 where do you, do you start with Jack Campbell on the Oilers who got waived this early in the season? Did, should we start there? Let's start there. Yeah. Let's start with we'll, Jack. We'll Campbell. start we'll start there. Let's start with Jack Campbell. The duo of Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner have a combined 864 save percentage. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. And Campbell was the better of the two and he got waived. He was at 873. Skinner was at 856. Man, Stuart Skinner, why is that ringing bells? Oh, yeah, he was an all-star last year. Jeez. Because that's the scary <laughs> thing, too, is we just talked about two separate teams, both in, new, in the tri-state area, mm. who we felt that, to at least a certain extent, their goalies are being hung out to dry by a somewhat incompetent defense. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's kind of scary that over in Edmonton, it's two goalies being left out to dry because they're bad and they have an incompetent defense. <laughs> like it's actually scary. Like I don't know. I don't know what to even if they're if I don't know if the if the if the Oilers ever turn anything around this year. I don't know. It's it's weird because what's killing the Oilers are the high danger chances. It's um the slot and the high slot, mm-hmm. right? Where these teams are five on five, getting dangerous scoring chances. The team gives up more dangerous scoring chances than any other NHL team. Um, Two point eight six goals expected per game on high danger chances. That's just that's just not going to win you games. No, it's not. Yeah, no, definitely. And <laughs> I will like the. I do want to highlight one thing um, from this Edmonton Oilers team. It, that is when Jack Campbell got sent back down to the AHL. Um, his season debut did not go so great. Uh, oh, I did hear about yeah, this. Four to one loss not. and eight hundred save percentage, which is now lower than his NHL save percentage, <laughs> which is at eight seventy three. Crazy stat. Come back to the Kings. We miss you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, we don't. Cam Talbot's great. Yeah, but also like. When you can't score against Mackenzie Blackwood, who made 39 saves in that game and has literally got like shunned out of New Jersey last year for being yeah, that point. bad of a goalie. That's a good point. Uh, it, it's just scary for this Edmonton Oilers team. Um, and to make the Sharks actually look good, it's just, it speaks for itself. Well, to put it quickly, I guess. The Sharks are bad, but the Oilers are worse. And I stand by that. What else are you going to say? What else is there to say? But, folks, 
after this absolute acid trip of an episode of Five on Three. I'm sorry. We are just about out of time. Nick Palmer, thank you for making my job as hard as possible. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Canary, it's always a pleasure whenever I do something with you. You know that. Check back in with us next week for a full new week of breakdowns in all things Tri-State, NHL, and beyond. Thank you very much for listening to Five on Three. So long. <laughs>